Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to 154 Forum. I'm very excited to uh, introduce this, uh, this uh, talk and uh, introduce this panel of esteemed guests that we have today. Um, I have to say that uh, we have uh, the person who created our forum here with us, Koyo Kuo. Uh, so it's very nice to have this role in introducing her. Usually she was the one you know, managing this space for five years. So it's a, a very emotional for me to have her here, but not really here with me. <laughs> she would always introduce her, her, her forum saying that the minds are created here. Everything is created here. Upstairs is all the money and the, <laughs> the commercial stuff, you know. So, but anyway, I think we did an amazing team for five years and we're so happy to have her now taking over the Zeitz uh, a museum in South Africa, and uh, we're excited to be able to welcome her back in this particular room for 154. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a chance to uh, be able to hear and converse with the directors of the leading platforms, you know, of uh, the continent, you know, representing artists from Africa and the diaspora. And we're happy to have uh, Gus Casely Hayford, uh, the director of the museum, the Smithsonian Museum of African Art. Uh, I have to say a few words on everybody, so I decided to say a few words with my experience with everybody, because I had a chance to have some something going on with everybody on the panel. So with Gus, uh, I think our first meeting was at the TED Talks. <laughs> we were waiting in the same room and having a talk one after the other. Gus was extremely, you know, relaxed and chilled and uh, my heart was beating like I don't know what. <laughs> was, uh, so that was us and then, you know, I had the chance to obviously visit him at the, the museum. And I was even had the chance to have a conversation in one of the award dinner in Washington last year. Um, uh, we have Koyo, as I mentioned. She has uh, helped to create this forum that is continuing without her. But Koyo was the first person I was introduced when I did uh, when I started talking about 154. And I have to say it's very emotional because she was the first one person who believed in what I was telling her that I was going to do. I was like Koyo, I'm going to create this fair. I had no background in arts or art industry or anything like that and she took it on and saying that's a great idea and really believe in what I was trying to put together. So, Koyo, thank you. We miss you, but so we're happy for you. <laughs> and Sonia, that I had the chance to meet, well, also I created the fair a couple of years back with a very good friend that we had in common. And then later on, I heard that there was this Palais Lomé project coming on and she was leading it. Uh, so I'm very excited to have her because the, the, the space is opening end of November and we're exciting. And I hope everybody will have a chance to go to Lomé to see this wonderful new space that is opening up. And also, but... Uh, Otman Lazrak, who is from my country, who just opened uh, three years ago the Makal Museum. Um, I have to say that he is my partner in crime in Marrakesh. He really is, uh, you know, the reason that, you know, is making Marrakesh so exciting every year for everybody who's experiencing 154 Marrakesh uh, with us. I mean, his institution is for us vital, you know, for what we do in terms of contemporary art. His art exhibition, uh, our gr grouping African artists, but also international artists, you know, in Marrakesh. So without his museum, I think our fair will be much poorer, you know, uh, at, uh, at this wonderful city that we both cherish very much. So I'm going to leave Rebecca, who's our our moderator today, who's also a fantastic moderator. She's the editor-in-chief of the Harper, Harper Bazaar Arts, sorry. 
And um, she was supposed to introduce this. I don't know why <laughs> I'm the one <laughs> introducing. She would have done it much better than me. But listen, we're excited to have her. Uh, we have also had wonderful panels together in the past. So I'm very happy to have her moderating this wonderful talk. I hope you enjoy it. Have a good day. Thank you, Toria, very much. And thank you for inviting me to moderate this, this panel um, with Gus, Koyo, and Sonia, and Otman. I'm really honored. And as Toria said, I've been on a few panels with her in the past, and it's always been an incredibly engaging conversation. And I've grown to really um, love, over the last, over the last few decades, um, you know, Africa and African art, and to see it uh, grow and transform um, this entire scene. I'm an American journalist based in Dubai, where I've been for the last <laughs> 11 years, it's hard to believe, and I focus mostly on the Middle East and on Africa. And with that said, I think I've been, <coughs> I've been covering both regions at a time of immense change, and the world's going through an immense change. We are living during some very challenging times, I think we'd all agree, a sort of tech, politico, apocalyptic moment where nationalism and populism are on the rise, the state of our natural world is deteriorating, and our daily lives are moving at a frenetic pace due to constant advances in technology. Many will say there is no more trust. Our recent traumatic past is coming back to haunt us. The structures that colonialism left are very much still there. In many ways, we haven't healed. So how do we? What role do the arts, and specifically museums and cultural institutions, play in propelling us forward instead of holding us back? All eyes are on Africa. And all of us sitting here today in this room are proof of that. We've all invested much of our time, our hearts, and our passion to making the scene um, what it is today and moving it forward. And I'm with, obviously, some of the amazing luminaries that are doing that um, today. Um, the seeds are finally being sown, and the continent's art is getting the recognition that is long overdue. There are a number of strong art schools, a growing number of high net worth individuals, rapid urbanization. Researchers project the continent will be home to at least nine cities of more than 10 million people by 2050. That's a lot. And there are a number of nonprofit art institutions serving as new platform for artists from Africa, new places for the continent to tell its stories, to establish its own narrative through art and culture. When the um, Louvre Museum was opening a few years ago, which was the same year that the Zeitz Museum was also inaugurated, I was reading a book um, by Peter Frankopen called The Silk Roads. And there's a quote that I think is really pertinent to this conversation. He says, the age of the West is at an end. It's a, it's a new world that we live in. The great art collections of the future are being built in the Middle East and China. I'm going to add Africa to his quote. <laughs> Cynics might say that art patrons are just trying to raise the profile of somewhere like Abu Dhabi, and we can talk about other cities, obviously, but you can't be a successful financial center without culture. And that's the same with sort of the growing, the growth in Africa. You can't be, in my opinion, and I'm sure as we'll hear today, um, a successful financial center without um, culture. And culture, this is something I believe, art is an inherent human need. People need to create art. Um, so we must add Africa in here if it's not only for the purpose of this conversation, because it is where a plethora of new museums are being built, underlying the shifting centers of culture in today's world. Um, while we can certainly debate the end of Western culture, which we're not going to do today, it's without a doubt that museums such as the Zeitz, McCall, Palais de Lomé, and Smithsonian's various programs on, in the US and um, with the African continent 
uh, represent the shift in cultural power. So I, I very much look forward to the conversation today and I think that, and I hope, um, that we'll take away some really interesting um, food for thought. Um, a museum is a site of knowledge. Until recently, the African story, or I'd rather like to think the many stories, because Africa is, is, um, is a continent with many different cultures in it itself, um, were told through politics and anthropology and through largely foreign, non-African entities. How can these new museums, these new sites of culture, how are you re sort of redefining and repositioning um, the narrative to people on the continent, obviously, to, uh, to an international audience? You're addressing me. We're addressing <laughs> everyone. Anyone who wants to go first? <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought it was interesting that your introduction and this idea of us propelling the narrative forward. But I also think it's a critical moment in which we importantly recognize our past, our history as well. And that this is a period of transition and change. And you know that is also, um, I think, really marked in the losses of, re of, of recent years. You know, Okwe and Weza, you know, BC Silver. Alana Lockwood, you know, uh, fantastic curators, visionaries, people who helped to craft and imagine what our discipline might actually be, and that we stand on the shoulders of those giants. And it is an amazing moment that it was made possible because of the contributions of those people. So I think it's great that we cast our eyes forward, but I think it's also a time for us to reinvest in thinking about the history of where we've come from. Well, uh, I, I'm usually not a fan of any fashions, and uh, and I believe that uh, um, this idea of uh, I mean I've been hearing it since I'm professional, like maybe let's say the last thirty years. There is a cyclic kind of uh, um, resurgence of how hot and, and Africa is now. And I hate that idea. Uh, I, 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 I actually resent it uh, uh, fundamentally because I think it's a, it's a very reductive way of understanding a territory so vast and so uh, defining of humanity in general. So for me, Africa is always in fashion and it has always been. And uh, that's one thing. And also the other, the other part that I, I, I think I would like to put forward uh, is to say that the African territory and the particularly the the, the artistic practice uh, coming from people who identify or connect with uh, a cultural space that we can call Africa or African uh, has so much been overdetermined by others, so to speak. So, and with the, all the 
political, historical uh, uh, trajectory that the continent went through, uh, a lot of us have also internalized a lot of these kind of extremely wrong narratives where uh, we tend to speak to others. I want to talk to myself. I would like to talk to my sister, to my brother. I'm tired of talking to other people who are not part of my imaginary. So, and I think that through art museums, this kind of conversation can happen. And uh, this is what I think we are trying to do at the Guides Museum in Cape Town. And that the initiative, of course, I have the most beautiful museum in the world now, <laughs> right? That's why I didn't bring you any images. <laughs> you all know it. So, um, and, and I also believe that, as you said, the museum is site of knowledge. Uh, a museum in Cape Town cannot be a museum in Paris or New York or even in Nairobi or Dakar. So the conversation has to have a certain rootedness that projects it to the world and that connects it to the world. But it's from that rootedness that I think uh, an interesting uh, exchange and conversation can happen. This is what I'm set out to do. For you, I think we are we are we are living an interesting moment. Even though I agree with you about fashion, uh, we can notice that there's a shift in mentality, and uh, we need to. Um, I'm speaking from a Togolese point of view. Togo is a very small country, and with uh, the uh, no narrative about its culture, about its art, so people are increasingly interested in the rest of Africa, but also in themselves. So we need to have dialogues amongst ourselves, but also among, between the rest of the world, with the rest of the world as well. So we, we shift from one point of view to another. You have several levels of conversation that are made possible now. It wasn't the case a few years back. So that's why I think we are living a very interesting moment for that. about context and that it's very important to say that Morocco is not like the rest of the world either. And we're, I mean, geographically very well located in a way because we're at the doors of the rest of the continent and we're also facing America, but Europe. So our, um, uh, our history as well detains uh, somehow on what we've, uh, what this, the, the approach that we will have and, uh, and the dialogue that we will have with the population when we decided to open Macal. Macal didn't open because, uh, uh, because we just wanted to open a museum. It opened because of, uh, of uh, a collection that was here, of course, but also because of a lack of infrastructure that was uh, uh, terrible <coughs> in a country like Morocco, which, it, which has an incredible creativity, which has an, an incredible uh, uh, richesse uh, of uh, wealth of, uh, of uh, artists. And um, so, uh, that's how we start building and uh, uh, building a, a dialogue with the artists first, because we don't exist 
without them in a way. So artists are the critics of the society today. They're the critics of uh, the environment that we're living and growing in. But in a way, uh, we are not in the position, I am not in the position as Makan of, um, of being the, uh, the platform, as we're, we're talking about it, the platform to, for, for artists. We're a platform, that's it. We're a platform that will actually bring dialogue, in, enhance uh, 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 cultures, um, uh, create bridges, between not only uh, artists, but also socials, so people, the people that would just come under a roof to talk. So it's, it's a museum, I think, even you were talking about the mentality that was shifting, I think also the culture shifts a lot. The, the way of showing uh, uh, evolves. And um, uh, we are young, I'm young, I don't have any background in art, I just love art. So I started this just because I wanted to, to, uh, to open uh, uh, to open the possibility to other collectors uh, on the continent, to open a possibility to artists to be proud uh, and to continue working. I know a lot of people that are actually leaving the country, uh, a lot of artists leaving the country, deciding to go live somewhere else because there are other opportunities. Why don't we create our own opportunities? And I think this is how stronger uh, we can be, uh, we can be a, the platform, not it's not one, but like the platform is all together in a way. So every dialogue from Cape Town, uh, from Smithsonian, DC, from uh, Togo, I think uh, from Dakar, so all these, uh, these, uh, these cities, all these platforms create ones, but all these platforms are, are like um, uh, in a base de données, how do you say base de données? A database, a database for all of us. And it's, uh, it's uh, where we all open a big book and say, oh, hey, this is very interesting. But we have to take every single piece of the puzzle and make a huge puzzle. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're just a little piece of it. Uh, yeah. That's I also wanted to add something. I think there is, I mean, we are living in a time of crisis. But I think that the world has been in crisis, in a continuous crisis. It's just every generation faces a different crisis. I think that's basically the, the, the reality of, of life. And when you, when, you, when you look at it from that point of view, I think I was recently thinking around what remains credible in our societies today in terms of institutions. Uh, and there, I, I, I really think that, I mean, politics have lost any sort of credibility. Economy, you cannot really trust it because it plays you around somehow. Uh, and art and culture is kind of the last safe haven of, cred of credibility in my point of view. And where does that credibility, is? where is, where is it housed? It's housed in museums. I mean, three billion people visit museums every year. This is half of the, hum the humanity, half of people in the world. So why do three billion people go to museums every year across the globe? That's, I think, a very interesting question that we can continue. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with, with what you're all saying. And I think that um, when everything's left in 100 years, when we're all gone, what's going to be left is the art, um, the art and the history. And if you don't have these, you know, museums are 
as we've just said, is they're globalized phenomena. You have museums all over the world, um, but they're a place where you can take care of these objects, <coughs> you can take care of these histories, and and they are placed, as you're saying, Ottoman, within a particular context. And as you're saying, also, Coyer, you know, what can you trust um, today? Um, I mean, per particularly from coming from the media side, I think there's a real there's a real struggle with with truth these days. But um, I think. Art in its really pure form. Take out the commercialism. Look at the nonprofit institutions. Look at the platforms, and you have objects. You have histories. You have, um, you know, artists create. You'd like to eat from the heart, you know. And I think that um, as Don't we're worry. saying, these these platforms are a way to off to to offer that. I think my next question to you is um, to you all is is how how much are these museums within the Africa, or in your case, Gus, in the US, how are they influenced by their particular context? Are, is that important? Or do you just, as you're saying, they're just platforms. Do we need to think of, you need to think of the Mar um, Macal based in, Mar in Marrakesh, you know? It's, it's a... It's a different language. Yeah, it's a different language. <laughs> it's Besides a different population. Um, you never have, I mean, Moroccans are different than Americans, and they won't have the same, uh, uh, they won't understand the same way an artwork than any other uh, people in the world. Of course, that's why it's important for us to show art from our uh, artists and to, to uh, because it's, it talks to you that you have the same background, that you can understand, you have the same culture. So it's, it's, this is also our role in a way to be, I'm not, I don't like the word museum because it's, museum is, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's very elitist and it's also very like, you don't want to go in and you don't want to be, uh, you know, it's like always some, it's always bad and negative in a way. So that's why I just, I like to call. No, no, no always. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, I like to say, I mean, my cat is different. It's completely different. I'm talking for myself. But my, my, cat, my cat is, is like, it's like a home in a way. We call it, it's a, it's a human scale museum and we're not Zeitz. Zeitz is a lighthouse today on the continent. We're, we're just, we're just, uh, we're just a tiny museum in the north of Africa. We're doing small stuff, but we have a voice, and we're using it. But we're using it. We're as strong as Zaitz, as strong as any other people. Just because we have a vision, we know we're young, we know what we're doing, we talk the same language to the population I opened the doors to. So this, this home, it's more a school where you teach art. It's more a school where you say, okay, you're not, you don't know what's art. You know, in Morocco, you were talking about statistics, about three billion people going to museums. In Morocco, we have 98% of the, if it's not 99% of the population that never put a foot in a museum. So when you are in this situation, what do you create? You transform yourself, you become a chameleon. You're like, oh wow, I have to be inventive. I have to create initiatives. I have to bring people together. So you create initiatives, that's how you become. You create initiatives by bringing people to the museum to give them a reason to come. Uh, it could be, I was talking about couscous people like this initiative that we created. Couscous is Moroccan, obviously, but, but we create a couscous Friday. So every Friday, we're hosting a couscous for 40 people in Macal, and we don't, we don't put titles. We don't say you're, you're, you're a curator, or you're a director, or you're an artist. Or you, we invite associations, we invite artists to just have a meal together and discuss. It could be around the topic. This is part of the, part of the inclusion. This is part of, uh, of what you were saying. I think uh, this is our role today. Yes, talking about the context, it's true that in Togo we have also this context of people not uh, entering the museums yeah. or the cultural field. 
So the project of the Palais de Lomay is very pioneering in Togo because most of the population don't, don't know what a, an art and culture center is, not to mention a park. So you need to first, so uh, it's very different from, the, from when, you're, when you're in London, New York, because you need to, to speak to them about things that can sound basic elsewhere. And, um, but it's a very interesting conversation because you think of, uh, of inviting them in a very simple manner. And more, we have another difficulty for the Palais de Lomé is the history of the place itself. Maybe we can have some pictures that I wanted to share with you. So just to, because not everyone, we, we always believe we are, we, we are the center of the world, but it might not be the case. So just in case, <laughs> here to go. And pictures of, um, that's where, this is the Palais de Lomé. It was the former colonial palace, the German palace to begin with. So this, I like particularly this image of the past. That's where we come from. We come from this past of oppression and colonialism, and it was in this palace. So we had first the German, so German flag, a shield, and then after First World War, it was, Togo was uh, divided between the Brits and, the Fr and France, so double flag. Then, at the, so they, they put, each of them always put their, their flag and their image, but then the independence with the Togolese shield. So the, this place was full of history and people didn't want to enter it. It was a place of exclusion. It wasn't for, so all of them say, culture is not for me and this palais is not for me as well. So we have two hurdles to overcome, to make them come and convince men into coming. So the place wa was abandoned for 22 years in, um, so in tropical weather. It's very beautiful because you have trees that grew inside, so very romantic. And uh, it's all about our work, it's about restoration of a place, but not only in from an architectural point of view, but also from a cultural point of view. So it's a double restoration and renovation. And um, so we work with 10 Togolese firms to, to, to transform the place into what it is now with a, a 26 acres park. So our context is very specific of Togo because we, we don't have any public garden in Togo. So people, when you t tell them to go to an art center, they say, well, it's not for me. This place is not for me. And a park, many of them told me, well, why, why, go, in, why go to a park? I don't want to see the trees. What, what, what is it to see? And I say, well, it's hard to define. It's something you need to experience. So it will be also many, uh, much about experiences and education. So that's one of the way to have people come. So not only as an art and culture, but also for the environmental and biodiversity point of view. So uh, these are some uh, animals of the park. <laughs> <laughs> these are the our superstar. And, um, and it's true that it's, uh, so it needs to explain them. And with this ocean, this Atlantic, this, it's an invitation of, uh, of traveling and, uh, and also be interested in, so the Atlantic is what uh, 
is the link between us and the rest of the world. So that's why you want to have, when we speak about platform, to have people from other parts of Africa and from the diaspora, so from the other side of Atlantic as well, and, uh, and invite them to come to Lomé. This ocean that divided us should be transformed into something else as well. So that's our point of view from the subject. You, you keep talking about platforms. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I really think of art institutions are living bodies, uh, as really organic bodies, as, as things that are alive. When uh, I, I, I when see card as an yeah, old lady. When you think of a platform, for me, sometimes it's kind of, it's, it uh, derives it from, from, from life. And I also believe that um, if, we, if, we, if we really think of art as a, as a, as a kind of uh, the architecture of our habitat, of our existence in, in general, uh, uh, and the representation and the interpretation somehow of uh, of a political, philosophical, or an religious imagination of any society, and just like language or cuisine is, you know, uh, uh, it becomes really fundamental for for any society to really participate its, in its storyline. And I think this is what we are trying to do: to contribute to the storyline, or sometimes to correct the storyline, mm. to enrich the storyline. To expand the storyline and to to uh, and to participate in in this way in a continuous enterprise of self writing, and uh, and I think that uh, there are different kind of sites where this storyline can be presented, can be read, and can be uh, you know uh, uh, shared. A museum, a museum is one of those sites, you know, mm. and and I strongly believe that um, it is often said that people don't don't go to museums on the continent, that there is no culture of museums, <coughs> so to speak, and I think it is right, and but at the same time, it is absolutely wrong. And it is really about the kind of engagement that, that you do. Uh, you were referring, uh, Otman, you were referring earlier about size. I don't believe that size matters. Size, can, that, you know, that, size can help, for sure, but it doesn't really matter because what really matters is content. It's what you do. You can have the most beautiful place the most, uh, the biggest place, if it's empty of substance, it is empty of substance, you know. So the, the substance is what is you bring into What's it. What's the sto story? Exactly. So what is the story? And I believe that we are living in exciting times, indeed, where uh, lots of conversations that are timely in terms of our stories and the way we write them and the way we share them and the way we read them uh, is really very ex 
exciting. I mean, the entire conversation about restitution is absolutely exciting. Mm -hmm. Even though we are part of maybe contemporary art, I mean, contemporary museum, museum with uh, a focus on contemporary art, that is a debate that I think is absolutely important. The entire conversation about, you know, the realm of the Atlantic that you, that you, that you mentioned is very important. And those uh, exchanges and conversations are, are, are at the center of what we are trying to do at the Zeitz Museum. And, uh, and, and it's also, I think, if there is a place where we can sort of house the idea of what contemporary art on the continent and the pan-diasporic focus can be about, this is our ambition. I mm. think that this house was needed. I mean, Mesha Gabaf, 20 years ago, made a magnificent piece that is in prison at the Tate now. <laughs> uh, 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 a magnificent piece called the Museum of Contemporary African Art. And, and I think that that is, it, it was a premonitory, do you say that in English? Wait. Premonitoire? Yeah. Uh, uh, dit? Premonitory piece that I think was really anticipating the conversations that we are having today, anticipating the institutions that are being established today. So uh, I really think that, um, this is what a museum like the Zeitz Museum can do, you know, uh, change the storyline, correct the storyline, enrich the storyline, expand the storyline, and most importantly, from my point of view, complicate the conversation. Mm. Yeah. But I, I think that um, <laughs> that desire for mm -hmm. that kind of museum that delivers in that way, that builds a pan-African, mm -hmm. but simultaneously global, um, discourse, that that is the kind of aspiration that one can see in the writings of those early 20th century Pan-Africanists. It's been something which has been burgeoning in Africa for more than a century, actually. And at the time of, um, of independence, Nkrumah, you know, he wants to define his nation in terms of of, of culture and, and, and intellectual disciplines, as well as economic mm. success. You know, if you think of what was happening at that time in Senegal, that they, mm. that first government, they commit 25% of their, of their GDP to, to culture. You know, it's, it's, it, it, and it's, it's an incredible thing. And, and yet, you know, one comes to a country like Britain and the model in terms of the cultural industries, it delivers something very similar, that this was deeply advanced mm -hmm. thinking. And the wonderful thing about it is I think that it actually sort of foretold of a possible model that we are now potentially able to deliver. And I look at this new generation of museums, fantastic generation of museum directors and curators, and I think about the international context within which they sit, and there is a real opportunity. We did a survey at the um, National Museum of African Art of 
of um, the museum sector across the continent. 371 museums that in some way concentrate on the visual arts. But the vast majority of them, more than 300 of them, find problems in terms of resource and display and personnel, you know, fundamental problems of delivery that actually compromise the way in which they can build partnerships, the way in which they can deliver program, the way in which they can support personal, personal development of their staff. And I just think that as a sector, if we were able to work more thoughtfully together, we could make sure all boats were able to rise together. And I think that this incredible generation of artists with this amazing generation of curators, with the expectations of a new, a new market, I think we could deliver something very, very special. Just one quick one thing that you said that's very interesting is we don't have, uh, of course, a lot of museums all over Africa that mm. doesn't, doesn't live because it doesn't have the funds to live, doesn't have the, mm. so we don't, I mean, we're 100% uh, privately funded uh, and we don't, we never, whenever we ask for, for help or sponsors, we never receive an answer back in Morocco. I mean, so, and it's also very complex as a, as a, as a, as an environment to work in. Mm. But the most important, I think, is the resources, uh, the human resources. Yes. We don't have, in the continent today, we don't have people that yes. actually are, uh, 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 can you say, well trained in culture yeah. so that will understand what we want to what we want to do so we we have to build our, our own uh, uh, educational programs for example we do this now we're launching a boot camp uh, we're launching a boot camp in uh, in January uh, with the university that will actually deliver a diploma uh, and uh, and uh, I think uh, I think Koyo is part of it uh, I think Koyo is part of it I don't, we don't know yet <laughs> so Koya is part of it as well, but it's yeah. very important <laughs> to kind of in the four days, in the four days boot camp, you can uh, you can pretend that you can work in in cultural uh, in the cultural but there uh, are, there structure. I think there are things that we can do together yeah. that we probably can't do as this exactly discrete dis yeah. institutions because the World Bank it puts it's when it's thinking about Africa. Culture is, is not yeah. necessarily one of the priorities. If we lobby together, yeah, I agree. we can then place our governments in a position where they do want to think about, let's yeah. use World Bank resources to invest in culture. And one looks at a country like Britain and you see the model in which the state actually invests in major institutions we, and individuals and invests that money. And and the way in which it recoups that is manifold. And I just think that for I Africa, that, that model, I really do think that we it's come of age. We don't even have a Ministry of Culture in Morocco. Mm. We have a, a Culture and Communication uh, Ministry, yeah. which, is, which is sad. You know, wow. when, you have, when you open a museum uh, and you... I mean, I'm not looking for a medal or anything. I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy the way I am. <laughs> Medal, like, medals are good. Yeah, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like when you do something, and of course, like I'm very happy doing it in the humble way. But when you do something for your country, mm. and I think you deserve just to have an inter interlocutor, as they say, like uh, someone the to talk to, mm. you know. 
And when I go talk to a minister of culture, the minister of culture and communication, and when I ask him, you should come see what we're doing. And you should uh, also, we should talk and see what we can do all together. We give you this museum for you, use it mm -hmm. as a tool to, uh, to uh, promote uh, a Morocco international view, I don't know. I never had an email answer call, they never visit the museum, but one ever. Of, one of the this ways is in which why I decided to go my own way and say, okay, you know what, I'll do it the way I want to do it. Yeah. And I don't have, we don't have, we don't have structures, we don't have discipline. So ah, this Othman, no, 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 no. <laughs> we don't have structures, we don't have discipline. You have to stop that. No, don't talk about absence. Let's talk about But present. that's why we I focus, said we fulfill no, we focus this, too we fulfill much. this, this, we, uh, yeah. this lack, this lack I totally important. hear you and you're totally right, but I think we spend too yeah. much energy it's speaking about <laughs> what we don't have. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. have to spend energy speaking but about what we have and what we can build and what we can make. Part, this is part of what you can build. You, know? you, need, to, so. you need to highlight the problems to uh, find solutions. Yeah. So if, you don't, if, we don't, if we all talk about solutions and talk about what's good and what we're doing is nice, then we don't, we're never going to find if, solutions. If, if, if we were no, to do it together, I would, I, love I, think to, I would love to see it and give you a bucket list of things, things that I would love to change, but this will never change anything. No, but the interesting, when we at the Smithsonian, we worked in Kenya um, building a partnership, and they invited in um, uh, ministers to think about what a new... Um, a new um, regional museum might look like. It was at that stage when there was an international focus upon the government that, that it was then that they decided we need to take. If we, together, yeah. as museum directors from across the continent, we work together That's and we bring yeah. pressure upon governments regional, but also kind of think continentally, I think that we can make the difference. And I think it's at that stage we can bring in perhaps some of the big trusts and foundations, maybe some commercial money, but also one would hope that it might be possible to begin yeah. to think about I talking mean, to the I'm world. I'll be, I'll be very happy. Because from time to time, you need to have people from abroad to raise interest in your own country. Yeah. That's also how it happens. And having institutions from abroad saying, oh, we're interested in Macau, we raise your interest. But also within, within but Africa, I think. That yeah, it's yes. like maybe it's not only the, I think it's in general. Yes, in general, when, we, when we, we, we see foreigners being interested in the project, we say, oh, it might be interesting. That's I think, one, is, of, I think one, of the, yeah. one of the things that we are trying to do at the Bites Mocha is that uh, really when you look at the amazing produc artistic production of uh, African artists of African diaspora artists mm. who are having incredible international players, for instance, yeah. or even local players that are really mm. meaningful in terms of uh, the, the, the politics, the aesthetics, the social value that they build, the philosophical uh, scope that they provide through their artworks. And the fact that most of those that are particularly highly successful hardly can show 
at home, so to speak. Mm. Mm. And for me, home is the entire yes. continent. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, except maybe for places like South Africa, which is an exception in itself, uh, or Nigeria, Morocco, Egypt at some point, but there's, I mean, the revolution went through and still has to recover from that. So I think that it, it has to be accessible there. Mm. It has to be, I mean, those works, those artists need to be celebrated in those spaces. Mm. And I really believe I that, and I really believe that it's a constellation of multiple mm. different forms and sizes of institution that is needed. I mean, mm -hmm. there is a big hail today about museum. The Zeitz came, the Macau, you are about to come and mm. others are in the bill, in the bill. It's very good. But for the last 25 years, it's a small independent arts institutions were doing the job. Mm. Exactly. You know? in small kind of residential and uh, private homes mm. where we, it was the work and the thinking and the discourse was produced and sustained. So, and I, I, I strongly believe that it's a concert of all of that. I and, I, and, I totally, and I totally agree with you that the more we, we consolidate our meager resources, if yeah. you want, the more we get to influence and bring about change, yes. be it on a political, governmental level. I mean, your experience is was my experience in Dakar. Is somehow her experience, mm. even though you know you have the government supporting that. Mm. You are a public institution. Yes. We are private institution with a public mission. We are a nonprofit. So I, I strongly believe that it is uh, a multiplicity mm. of, of things and in a simultaneity yeah. of actions. Yeah. Yeah. But if we can find the ways of occasionally speaking with one voice, I think, after, after yes. the I talk. think it will be. <laughs> yeah. After the talk, yes. we all talk. <laughs> yes. yes, from all of the crowds. There you go. I love the idea of what you said, a concert, you know, Akoyo, because it is, it clearly obviously is a concert of factors, but something that I've, I've also noticed in the Middle East, I'm not speaking about the Middle East today, but is a ministry of culture, um, clearly having a ministry of culture um, shows, you know, a state, a nation, that culture is important, and clearly that is um, to be applauded, but is it really, is it, is it fundamentally necessary? We're debating that right now, and clearly if we bring, if we bring everyone together, um, as you, you know, um, Gus and your programs are doing that through the Smithsonian, and you have one voice, that can change the government. I think the issue also globally is that, um, unfortunately, the government is not. The World Bank, some of these big institutions are not seeing culture or art as really this necessary vital human need when very much is. But what you're doing already on the ground is, is showing that there's a voice. There already is enough. I, you, know, you mentioned, Sonia, about the idea that um, um, you need to have foreigners. Sometimes there's a, so there's a little bit of a, of a debate whether you need to have foreigners or international presence to show that the art scene in Togo or in Dakar is important. But the ideal situation is to have the artists show at home on their continent. Mm. Obviously, mm. that's different when it gets to the diaspora question. But whether the state is involved or not, and we do hope that the state shows that art is important, we do hope that it is more involved when things change. And things the, the fact that we're here debating that shows that change is happening, I think, I hope. Um, but obviously, there's, there's more to come. And 
part of you know Africa through various interviews I've done too. The bigger, the, the biggest issue it seems to be is, is is infrastructure, lack of collectors on the ground. I mean, how do institutions like yourselves, um, who are working in various different situations within different contexts, you know, we say context is important. How are you building a local collector base? How are you making sure that you know this is a place that. Um, difficult to use platforms. I love the idea of living bodies and being a bit organic because <laughs> you need to you need to go with the zeitgeist or the times. But how do you ensure that you are nurturing these the um, the collectors or the curators or the artists? How are you making sure that these institutions are open to the masses? Well, I don't know. I think I really don't agree with certain kind of assumptions. I mean I mean, there are so many uh, received ideas about the art system on the continent. One of these is about the lack of infrastructure, which is somewhat true, but it cannot be sustained totally. The other is that there are no collectors. This is not true either. I mean, it depends on what kind of collectors, you know. You have people buying art everywhere because you have art you have artists producing art. I mean I lived in Dakar for twenty five years and I've known I know artists who have been practicing for all their lives and they've been living off their work. So it it's it's really I think it's important to 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 uh, to to really redefine what we call how or what we define as a collector in a specific place. Okay, the collector in Lagos or the collector in Khartoum or in Dakar is not the same as the collector in London or in New York, mm. but they buy art and they love it and they collect it. I think it has to be acknowledged. I mean, I cannot participate in the conversation saying that, oh, there are no collectors here and there just because they are not mega collectors and they don't run the gamut of definitely the circus of the, of the art fairs uh, trail uh, every year. So uh, that said, I, I, I strongly believe that uh, everything is a matter of education. Uh, everything is a matter of uh, engagement and continuous engagement. And obviously, we work in a field where the conversations are long that the transactions are not that simple and not that easy. And you have to have the, the, the how do you say, the staying power, in so, so to speak, to, to, to run those conversations. And, uh, and, and I believe that, as I say, context defines everything. Uh, those uh, organizations, museum institutions everywhere do it in a, in a certain way. And by the way, I mean, I don't think that it's up to the museum to really cater to the collector base. Yeah. You know, market, the galleries are here. The market, the mar that's, the, that's the market thing. So uh, I, I, I strongly believe that that's why I, I, I think it is important to talk about or to focus about what is available, what is present, and to grow that present. You in know. Terms and of to build an ecosystem, yeah. because yeah. for the time being, there's no real ecosystem in most of the countries. Mm. Speaking of Togo, you have collectors, but in a very tiny basis, mm. and uh, artists who are very eager to, to, to learn from the rest of the world, to see the rest of the, the, 
the, the artwork from other parts of Africa and uh, be exposed. I think when you have the opportunity of being exposed to other kinds of art, it enhances your level as artist as well oh, and as the audience. For the audience, we, sp we, we spoke about the collectors, curators, but also I think the average population, they also want to have exposure. Once exposed to something different than their everyday life, it opens their horizons. I don't say that they will necessarily transform into collectors, but at least they, they see other aspects of life and universe. You know, like with you talking about, uh, just to take this example of, oh, you want to, you want to talk? Yeah, carry uh, on. Just to talk about this example, 154 is a great example of it. It's uh, in New York, in London, and in Marrakesh. Hmm. So it's kind of the f this fair that actually travels. It brings galleries from all over the, the continent and the world to a different uh, type of collector, a different uh, collector, an American collector, or a an UK collector, or an African collector, in a way, yeah? just mm -hmm. to caricaturize. Um, in Morocco, we have the ecosystem that you were talking, the ecosystem is getting stronger. Hmm. We have more galleries actually are getting structured, and more galleries are actually doing the work of a gallery, which is uh, finding an artist, promote, um, uh, 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 how do you say? Uh, promote promote the, the, the artist and mm. uh, sell the artist. So these galleries today are in these fairs, which is very important, not before. <laughs> The Moroccan, we have three Moroccan galleries today represented in London, which is amazing. So you have these artists never, never in their life were dreaming of, of an exposure of this way, you know? So I think we're, we're, get, we're getting there. We're, we're still very shy in the, in, the, in the ecosystem and the market in, the, in Morocco. There's not a lot of uh, collectors. There are plenty that would collect only what the other collect. And uh, because- That's what we do everywhere. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so they, but they won't take risks and invest and uh, think, oh, maybe I will just buy this because I like, you know? So it's also, it also I think it's a challenge <coughs> of every collectors together to talk like, oh, did you like this one? What did you buy? And then you make your own ideas of what, uh, what's, what's uh, the next artist, uh, uh, what's, uh, who's, uh, who's gonna be uh, tomorrow in, uh, in the big, big exhibition, etc. So it's like the little gossip that makes the market today. Uh, and it's between collectors, it's not between, uh, between the um, museums, it's yeah. more yeah. between the collectors. And step by step, this concept of different factors is, is showing that you know, art's important and art is accessible and you know, more artists can be artists. And I think that's, that's a step. You know, that's, and that's something that's always been in Africa. I think it's just that you know, we're finally it's getting a bit more attention. I think that things you know, it can be seen as rather than, unfortunately, it's the same with the Middle East. Um, there's a lot of, mis it's very misunderstood region. And still, and um, and I think that you know, with these concert of factors, with this growing ecosystem from collectors, whether it be abroad or on the continent, I think it's important that they people realize that they can buy art for even s you know not that much money or a lot of money. Um, it just shows that it's important. Um, but also the yeah. price inflation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that, yeah. that is the thing that uh, I think attracts a lot of people. They recognize that yeah. this is a place to invest in, and it also then attracts new generations of galleries of artists into the ecology. And I think that that has really transformed the possibilities. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, and you see that accelerating. If you look at the graph mm. for price inflation, it's, you know, it is a very steep-sided mountain. And I think if that continues, one will see it utterly transform the sector. 
go in quickly to, um, I mean, another topic that I think is important just to kind of um, underline is, Okay, we'll go through this yeah. and then <laughs> there will open up to, I'm sure, many questions. Um, you know, I was just in the U.S. and I haven't, I'm American, but I haven't lived in the U.S. for 20 years um, for a variety of reasons. But um, <laughs> just life has taken me abroad um, as well as my own family. But being there on another panel um, uh, a few weeks ago, I, identity politics clearly are, you know, they're still at the forefront of this discourse. And um, whether it be Africa, whether it be, I mean, Asia, Middle East, um, there's, you know, ethnicity is still playing itself out. And I'm, you know, I have a few specific questions for each of you. Um, maybe going to Koyo first, and, and this Ooh. is, we, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> Why me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you um, <laughs> um oh, it is really hard. A hard one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you want a hard question? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> we have to laugh about these things as much as sometimes they are uncomfortable. But you know, we start um, as as kind of we started the, some of the structures that that were put in place. So there's there's still obviously healing and struggles and these ethnicities playing itself out and. As um, you've recently take on, taken on board um, this incredible role, um, so you know, well done at the at the Zaid Smoka. But you are still um, within this within the South African context. It still is a post-apartheid um, country. I mean, we just I just sent a journalist to cover the Johannesburg Art Fair. Um, I wish I could have gone, but I couldn't have. And he was Nigerian, and he and he called me and he said, I don't I, I don't feel comfortable to go. I, I can't go report on this for you because of this, I'm just going to put this out there, but because of the xenophobic protests and because of what was happening. And, you know, these are things that I'm dealing with also as, um, as an editor abroad. And, and I can't imagine that you're not also dealing with them. And South African, you're, you're not South African, you're from Cameroon. Um, how is it to direct um, a museum in this context? And you're talking about this organic being, which I think is so great that you, you know, you're putting in roots in the ground, but you're also trying to sort of um, go with the tides, which we have to go with, with the flow of, of what's happening. But how, how are you um, specifically catering to some of the struggles that are still present in South Africa? Or is it important to? Oh, wow. It is absolutely <laughs> important, particularly in Cape Town. <laughs> no. No. So, uh, I mean, you cannot work and live in a space like that and be oblivious of that reality, then you're either deaf and numb and <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, uh, uh, of course, uh, but I, I strongly believe that, um, you know, the organic space that uh, I like to speak about and I've been accused of lumping Africa and kind of diluting the nuances and the differences, but I, I like to speak of a continent as a whole. Um, South Africa is particularly, uh, uh, is a particular corner of, of the continent that has had the most, I think, dehumanizing uh, 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 human experience any other human can, you know, inflict on another ever. And that process only uh, ended kind of, uh, how do you say, legally, formally, 
25 years ago. Uh, so it takes time. It takes a lot of time. I am not an advocate of violence in, what, in whatever form. Um, and I think that these are all the, the sort of unraveling pains that the country has to go through. And, and I strongly believe that there is, uh, there is a lot of strength and a lot of hope that the country will overcome that. But uh, it, is, uh, it will not happen overnight. It needs, South Africa needs all of us. All South Africans need all of our support, uh, no matter how we, we, uh, we, uh, we stand towards the country or not. They, they will not, they will, I mean, the country will not succeed on its own. And I think from the fact that the country has been so closed in itself for so long and also ostracized rightly, for, for, for the longest time, there, is, there has been for a long time no conception of the kind of wider space beyond South Africa. So there is lots of navel gazing in terms of, you know, we are us and uh, with our greatness and but also with all of our shit, sorry. And, uh, and I think that uh, that is a process that will that will that will shift in the in the coming years as the more the country becomes uh, more astute and more open to to difference mm -hmm. fundamentally more uh, that the more the country also understands its role and its position within the chessboard of the continent and how how important it is that it succeed the transformation. Uh, and if any place on the continent can teach us a lesson about transformation, it's really South Africa. So um, yes, there is xenophobia. Yes, there is still very vicious, clear racism. Uh, yes, there is, uh, um, you know, difficulties in, in uh, how do you say, uh, overcoming those uh, features that are historical uh, in the country. But I, I, uh, I, I, have, I have great hope that if change will come on the continent, it will certainly come from South Africa. Mm. Mm. Art so. play that. Play a role. Well, art well, plays the role already. Art always plays yeah. the role. Yeah. You know, it's always part of it. I mean, if you look at, I mean, if we stay in that kind of context of understanding, you know, a resistance, understanding protest. I mean, particularly in a place like South Africa. I mean, it is through art and music and literature that exactly. you know resistance and protest came about. You know. Of course, politicians played their part, but it was supported, initiated, and carried through artistic creativity. So I, I, I strongly believe that uh, uh, it's an exciting time. It's really exciting. I'm having a great fun to be there, really. Wonderful. Yeah. I think that's 
so inspiring. Because I, mean, I mean, people talk about what is the the value of art. How do you actually kind of um, come to terms with that in a in in a way that can be measured? And I think that one of the kind of key areas I think in which people sort of um, don't really acknowledge the actual power of art is is in terms of what it can do in terms of societal cohesion and, and healing. And you know, um, Lacan, the psychoanalyst, he wrote so movingly about the power of art to be a kind of lens on society, but also a mechanism for resolving really deep-rooted issues as a kind of function, a sort of healing function. So, and I do think in South Africa that art that is not just a record, but becomes a way of, 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 of forming a kind of cathartic um, mechanism <laughs> to deal with some of the most awful things within society. I think that art is absolutely miraculous in that way. And I couldn't agree more, Gus. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think um, it's very important. And in the resolution of conflict, whether it's personal or collective, I think art plays an incredible role. Um, and I, I, I really hope and I wish, and obviously through joint efforts as you, as you all are saying, that hopefully governments can also realize that soon too. My question to you is, is, um, is I think, I mean, in the US with the Me Too movement, which has obviously gone worldwide, I mean, there is this, this constant reference of gender parity. And I know you've done some work at the Smithsonian, um, at the National Museum of African Art, which I think would be really interesting for you to tell us about how you're kind of um, basically creating a situation of striving to create a situation of gender parity within the museum. Um, right well, well our, our, our collection, we have about 13,000 objects in our, in our collection. And we began collecting um, our institutions. We were established in 1964. And we began collecting around geography and around quality. Those were the criteria. And it's only been recently that we've actually done surveys to think about balance across some other areas of measure. And gender, when we actually looked at that, we were pretty shocked because without actually monitoring and considering that in a conscious way, we had collected and only 10% of our collection was by women artists. And so we have really worked hard, and we have doubled that, and we will work hard during my tenure to try to double that to bring it close to as close to parity as we possibly can. And the wonderful thing—I mean, we have a fantastic show, I Am, at the moment, which tells some of the stories that women have sought to tell, um, and it gives you a sense of how in endeavoring to do that, we can actually also raise the bar on the quality of the wider collection because the work that we have acquired to try and tell those stories is some of the most moving, some of the most stunning work in our collection. And it's the thing that makes my heart sore and makes me feel incredibly proud to, 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 to be part of that institution. That's really, it's, I mean, it's wonderful to hear. There was recently a study done um, for well, Artnet, which I also write regularly to, that basically did a survey of museums um, and representation of female art at museums. And the conclusion was that a little, that, you know, while they say that women artists um, 
are much more represented, it's a bit of an illusion. But it's actually really, there, are this, this, there is this incredible discrepancy, which you always, you've obviously found by doing this research and putting in action some, um, some great new programs. And I think that that's, um, you know, regardless of Africa or you know, wherever we are, I think that's, that's really admirable, um, which is great. I'm, whether if there's more comments, that's great. Otherwise, I think I'm going to open up yes. the floor to questions because I'm sure that all of you have some questions for our panelists. Thank you. Now you have to wait for the mic because it's recorded. Sorry. Thank you very much. Uh, Koyo, I love your passion for Africa. And that probably is why you don't want Otman to talk about what we don't have. But you still, <laughs> but you understand that even the successful diasporan artists don't have spaces to show at home. That is recognizing what we don't have. You see, for supporting African diasporan artists, what I think is important is validation. We need strong voices to validate African artists. We need strong institutions to validate African artists. And all this cannot come, cannot take place without getting our government involved. Thank God Goss talked about what the UK is doing. He is from the United States and he knows what they are doing. The Smithsonian. Oh, yes. all right. Yes, yes. Now, how do we get, there is no way, there are, there are no two ways about it. We may not necessarily want our government to invest money directly into art, mm. into building this institution, into building this expertise that will give us the validation. But how do we get the government to come up with policies mm. that can get the money that we need? How do we bring government to bring out the policies that can get us to develop the expertise? You are from South Africa. No, I live there. You live there, good. <laughs> you live in South Africa. <laughs> but we heard about the Joburg Art Fair. Mm -hmm. There had been one or two before the late uh, Nwezo was made the director of the Joburg Art Fair. His presence. Joburg Biennial. His presence, Biennial, oh, his presence there. I think contributed a lot. We need such voices for us. Local validation, we call it. Local, Af I mean African, whether in the US, in the UK, or everywhere. We need strong voices. How do we bring our government to develop policies that will help us to come up with all these? Thank you. Well, I mean, if you, <laughs> it's good that you, t uh, you end with the, a format that I cherish a lot, which is the biennial. And uh, um, I think that if we look at that validation, I think the best, the best stories is definitely the Dakar Biennial, which is the foremost, that is a platform, <laughs> a platform of, uh, of presenting uh, voices of uh, Africa and its diaspora. And I, I strongly believe that, I mean, the government of Senegal can only be commended because 
Senegal has, from day one, always extremely invested in arts and culture. I mean, the 66th mm. festival that Gus was referring to earlier is kind of the starting point and, and the, the background of what the Dakar Biennial is today. So, um, I mean, when I, and there are many other uh, uh, events like that. And I think that every country is, is quite, quite cognizant of the, real, of the necessity to invest in arts and culture. The only thing that everyone sort of do it their way, which is valid. Mm -hmm. And I, I strongly believe that it is, um, it is a, a, you know, um, no, a succession of, uh, of, uh, of things and investment that, that will bring that. I mean, we can obviously not force our leadership to be culturally and artistically but savvy. The thing is, at the same <laughs> yeah. time, you know, we, for instance, in Togo, the project is backed and funded by the state uh, in majority. But at the same time, we, we also know that we need to increase sponsorship and private sponsorship mm. because the state has other things to deal with. <laughs> so they, they have to build infrastructure, roads, hospitals as well. Mm. So they will be reproached if they just invest in culture, people will reproach them that it's wasted, so to say, money. So they need to deal also with that. And I think it's, so it's very complicated for the states as well because they, they, they have to set priorities and choose priorities. Senegal was very lucky because they had a writer and a poet as president in the 60s with Senghor, but not everyone can be writers and poets. So it was, I, I think it was a historical opportunity for Senegal and they leveraged on it. So we, each of our African countries needs to find their way to involve states, but at the same time, uh, manage priorities, several set of priorities. But, but I, I think, I see it as an investment. There was, there was a survey <laughs> mm -hmm. or, or analysis of the uh, Nigerian uh, art sector mm. that said that if the government was to invest yeah. 20 million, it might well begin to reap in the billions. Yeah. And I, I do think that we shouldn't see it as being just money that is given away. Yeah. But this yes, is but an investment is into an industry. That don't forget yes, you have. Uh, but I, I, want to, I would you, like to circle back to the question of this gentleman because he really posed a very important question. And I strongly believe in private initiative. Mm. And, and, uh, and we live in countries where our governments are unfortunately weak mm. in terms of visionary leadership. So we cannot stay there and say, yeah, the government doesn't do this, doesn't do that. You have to do, we do something. It. So <laughs> I think private initiative, I think private initiative is at the root of most of the organizations mm. that are represented, maybe even on this panel, maybe except for even even the Smithsonian yes, was a private, <laughs> private initiative. Yeah. So I and 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 how uh, um, how kind of, I mean, the question was really what kind of incentives yes. can be provided on a governmental exactly. uh, uh, level 
to really promote that artistic or cultural mm. private initiative. Yeah. And I think that every country has different forms. Yeah. I mean, in Senegal, we've been talking since 10 years about, you know, uh, 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 a law for, for Messina, how do you say it? Sponsorship. Sponsorship. Philanthropy. Philanthropy yeah. and yeah. so on. And uh, in South Africa, there is a system in place, but you have to be eligible for that. And there is a board that really uh, studies uh, uh, that very, very, I mean, scrutinize every, every uh, uh, application for that status. Uh, there are multiple systems in, in, uh, in, uh, in different countries. So um, yeah, I think we private initiative is still really what is driving arts and culture on the continent. You know? I mean, uh, to a large extent, the, the, the governmental initiatives are very much, I mean, Senegal excluded, uh, are very much in a, in, a, in, a, in a program of, you know, self-glorification or self-promotion and not necessarily in a kind of a, a discursive conversational phase. Absolutely. We need, yeah. You can't just have state funded propaganda, which happens to be happening in Europe and other parts of the world. And it's a, it's a, it's a delicate dance mm. that you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to say. I, th I think Abayano as well, just to, to say what, to uh, continue what you were saying, Abayano is very important for a, uh, a city or a country, like economically, of course, because it brings 60,000 people for a weekend that will mm. spend money and stay in a hotel so it's good mm. uh, but uh, um, there's the, the government I'm talking about the Morocco government today is uh, is uh, developing a lot this um, this uh, concept of, uh, of uh, Bayano which is amazing mm. so we have m we just launched a new one now in Rabat mm. last week uh, it was a uh, it's a, f a female a female Bayano but it's it's a female artist Bayano which is it's good it's a great initiative that it's uh, that is held by the government and it's supported by the government where that includes everyone in Morocco. So it's good. I mean, uh, it was uh, the first time since the Marrakesh Bayanol that actually stopped because it stayed for 12 years. Which was a private initiative. Which was, yeah, which was a private initiative and, uh, and that we founded ourselves um, every, year, every two years. And we continue to found and, and support uh, uh, other initiative on the continent. I mean, we help uh, exhibitions at, the, at Dakar for the Bayano, uh, in Lubumbashi, in uh, Uganda, uh, in, uh, in other, other uh, Bayanos, and, and initiative that's, that's like taking a, a birth in different countries. So I think it's also private, not only opening museum, which is good, but also support when they can with a very, very like a small amount of, uh, of uh, money or just uh, resources to help other initiatives to grow and not like have one initiative, which is the flagship of, uh, of uh, Dakar, which is the flagship of Africa. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's a great one. Bamako is, a, is an amazing one.
Um, thank you very much for your panel. Um, I lectured in 20th century Africa history last year, and my students, we looked at pre-colonial African art and how that art was part of the community, was used in festivals, it was sort of a living sort of art, and how in the colonial period, this art then became put in museums to be looked at, stolen, put outside of the context. And I heard some members of the panel talking about how some of your spaces are viewed as for elites and viewed as spaces where the community isn't welcome. And I wonder if that's because you're borrowing from a European sort of tradition of presenting art and housing art and whether perhaps you can look that's at more indigenous sort of ways. Yeah, and that's models. what I was saying at the beginning. I think we're not, we try to, to, uh, to present art, uh, to, to, we try to be as, uh, how you say, as clear as possible to a population that will understand us. So we won't have uh, tons and tons of uh, texts. We will have more mediation program, uh, programs around it. We'll bring kids that will bring their families, that will bring their mom, etc. So this is how you create people interests. But at the beginning of all this, this uh, uh, foundation that we started 10 years ago by my parents, we want, that was the first mission. The mission was to democratize access to art and to not uh, to, to, to remove the, the, the elitist tag that you have on, on any cultural initiative in Morocco today. So this is how we have this initiative uh, couscous and all this that kind of break this thing and make people comfortable getting into a space like Macal. And we create, we have free shuttles that go and get them, bring them to this to the museum, and they take them back. We uh, organize a lot of uh, a lot of talks, a lot of uh, uh, meetings. You, you know, like I think in a way, art became became the second after. I mean, what we're showing is became second after bringing the people, which is the first the first uh, the first step. You built your public, you bring the audience, and then you introduce what you're doing. Then they got interested. We have people coming now uh, that we've, that we've, uh, that we've uh, brought uh, two years ago, and they're coming now every, every exhibition, every program that we're doing. So it's a, we create this community, you know, and community is important in this kind of, uh, of, uh, of uh, places. But you're right, we have to, we have, I don't like the, that's why I say I don't like the elitist, uh, elitist of, um, word behind uh, behind museums and we have to break this and kind of uh, break boundaries and say no this is open for everyone come just come feel free there's no commercial commercial behind you just come it's not for profit just you and the art how you enjoy that's it but you you also have several means to do it for instance we at Palais de Lomé we work with 10 Togolese firm to renovate the place which means 300 people workers yeah. So it's they're amazing. workers, and when I, when I tell them, when we tell them that afterwards they should see the result of their work, the majority of them say, no, it's not for us. I said, please bring your family, and we will organize an event especially for them. We will open the place for them and organize, a, um, how do you call that, uh, like a, a kermes, I don't know the word for that, a, um, uh, a small party. A lottery. Yes, a lottery party for them and their families so that the family can see their works. And you know, in Togo, as in many African countries, the family are extended families. So it will bring a lot of people inside that won't dare go, because when you're a construction worker or a very simple carpenter and all this, you, you don't think it's even for you. You don't even dream of coming in inside. So it's a way to have them enter. And another way uh, that you mentioned about the, the, uh, the pre-colonial objects, 
that were used in rituals in societies. It depends on the country. In Togo, it's still used. Many of the objects are still used in local communities. And one of the exhibitions is called Togo of Kings. And it's about objects that have never been exhibited before that come from very small chieftaincies and uh, because we have several kingdoms, very small kingdoms, and they have their private museum, so to say, even if it's not maybe the term, they keep the object and they use it in specific ceremonies. So for the first time, they agreed to, 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 to lend it to us so that we, it can be exhibited because someone living in Lomé don't have the slightest <laughs> idea of how it is in the north or central region. So they don't know all these objects and for the first time they will be exhibited. So it's another means to have people come from this region, to have people come, uh, people living in Lomé, for instance, that they stem from these regions, they will be, um, we, we have a program to, to make them come and see the rest of Togo and how the objects are still used today. And some of the objects will uh, return after uh, to, to, to be used for special ceremonies. So I think you have several ways to have people come. I don't know. Do you want to say something? No, please, you carry on. Um, I don't know why it's always in the African context that we have to justify why X number of people don't go to museums. I think, uh, first of all, um, there is only this kind of number of percentage of every society across the globe that is interested in artistic practice. And that number reflects more or less, you know, the number of people who engage with artistic practice in all forms of way, be it relation with artists, be it, you know, in the market, be it in the criticism of it, be it in the presentation of it. So I, I strongly believe that uh, there is too much of a bias, bias there, and particularly when it has this kind of anthropological hint into it about the community and so on. I mean, the community artistic expression, it's thriving in all African societies. You know, the, I, I don't feel there is a threat to it. And, and you referred to pre-colonial, the way art was experienced and, and, and presented. Yeah, but we are not pre-colonial anymore. Mm. But you it know? still exists so at the same time for you. Well, still but that's exists. not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about really totally something different. And what I want, my point is that I think that there are, uh, multiple ways to engage with art. There are other ways to present art today. Mm -hmm. uh, there are uh, certain demands from certain artwork for a certain kind of preservation and conservation that is not anymore uh, uh, possible the way it may have been done 200 or 300 years ago. So. I, uh, I, I think that it is, it is important to acknowledge that and to, to really also understand that things change. Yeah. And move on with those changes and live with those changes, you know. 
And make the changes. And make the changes. <laughs> Thank you, supporting African and diasporic artists. Um, what initiatives do each of your institutions have in place, as far as residencies or any other things that you have in place to support? Ideally, local artists, um, but artists from the diaspora and across the continent. We, in Macal, I'm gonna start and it's gonna be very quick. Macal, we have a few, uh, few initiatives to support. We have a Macal, of course, a residence, that we, a residence program that we just uh, opened, uh, where we had a few artists in residence so far. Um, one from, uh, from uh, Uruguay, and the other one from Morocco, uh, and the next one is from Chicago. Um, and um, we have, these are the artists, so we're not only focused only on African artists or just because they're from the continent. It's we're very open and very interesting into the 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 approach that the artist has and what you and uh, and uh, the the project of course uh, that will be uh, um, not only I think it's uh, there's a there's a there's a separate uh, committee that actually uh, that is completely independent that actually uh, um, think what's very important today how who's the who's which uh, uh, artist uh, needs today a support in which I mean we don't have millions. Uh, to uh, to give to but we have uh, we don't have a special we don't have a special project a program for the residents could be a curatorial research or it could be a, a painter uh, or it could be just uh, a poet that wants to uh, to uh, to stay for uh, for a couple of months or weeks uh, in 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 the residence it's near Macal we also have a, a lab we call it the lab which is a um, a workshop platform where we invite artists uh, and either professionals, students or uh, young, younger generations to kind of uh, create a, a, a three days or two days program, um, uh, project, sorry, so it could be a, a book, uh, a create a, a leporello, it's like this Italian book, you know, that you open with a, a Moroccan artist, it could be a, a, phot a photographer that will uh, teach a way of photography, a way of uh, printing, and the way of photographing, it could be, I don't know, it could be a curator teaching something. So we do this uh, and it's free. Uh, it's free obviously uh, for, the, for, the, for the people that wants to, to attend. Uh, and we have another, another program which is um, um, engaging with the, uh, the exterior, where we go public and we kind of organize in the city of Marrakesh uh, um, many initiatives, could be performances, Sometimes it could be just a happening in, in a place of Amelfna. It could be an exhibition in the streets of the Medina. Uh, uh, and, and these all, it's just to kind of uh, create a dialogue without like pushing you coming. But like we bring the art to you. So it's kind of a real pasched, a real bridge uh, that we're trying to create. So, and we, in every exhibition, in, in every it's not exhibition. That short. Huh? It's not that short. <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah. And then, in the, and, and then sorry, the, the last one. I mean, we're doing a lot of things. <laughs> and the last thing, the last thing is, uh, the last thing is we commission a lot of works. So for every exhibition that we're doing, 
where half, half, of the, half of the exhibition is commissioned by Macal, half of the works are commissioned by Macal, and either they're purchased after, so we acquire the works, or they're just, they, we just give them back to the artist. So yeah, there's, uh, there's all this to support. And I think, uh, and there's a photo contest, the LCC program. <laughs> <laughs> there's a photo contest in Africa, yeah, the LC LCC. Yeah, we have a wonderful residence in Frankfurt, which I'm very proud of. But mm. beyond that as well, that we are looking to find ways of working with curators and, and museum specialists so that we can build a kind of ecology and make sure that all those boats rise together. And part of that may well be that there are ex exchanges of personnel. And some of that may manifest itself in people traveling from the continent to, to, uh, to America. And that one of our partners is, uh, is Yale in this endeavor. So we would look to try and build um, a set of solutions that would benefit everyone yeah. so that our curators can get experience of working more on the continent, but also that uh, you know, museum experts in all the partner institutions that they work with on the continent. Yeah, there is a whole host, yes, 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 yes. In six months, we will open residencies for artists, but also researchers in the field of botany, so which is very specific to Repar because it's a treasure trove, so, um, so art and botany. You have, a beautiful, you have beautiful birds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. You saw that. Yeah, I mean, at, uh, at the Zeiss Museum, there, I mean, there, we are obviously in development. I mean, we are only two years old, and uh, there are several uh, programs and ideas in place to strengthen, I think. I think we'll focus quite substantial, uh, substantially on uh, building and producing and training the next generation of art professionals, museum professionals, uh, not so much in terms of artistic residencies, but more in terms of museum fellowships. So, which I think, uh, I mean, we have amazing lots of artists and no, not everybody can become an artist, right? So we need a lot of people to surround the practice and to maintain it. So we will focus in terms of residency or training education on uh, museum professionals. So we are, we are actually anyone who would like to fund our museum professional <laughs> uh, museum fellowship program can talk to me. So, um, We're very open to any <laughs> any kind. So. Um, that's one thing, and the other, the other thing that we we just put together, uh, which I think is uh, is, is really key, is a project space within the museum, which is a space which we want we are dedicating to very young emerging voices, uh, artists who are in whom we see a great artistic potential in terms of their practice and whom we want to give 
uh, a floor within a world-class uh, museum for them to you really assist exhibition. them. Yeah, exhibitions and also project development, you know. So you uh, produce the exhibition? Yes, yeah. everything. So that's the project space which I think uh, will be quite meaningful in the next two years. We have our first artist in there now, which is Nobuko Kaba, which is a young Eastern Cape artist studied at the Michaeli School of Art, and whose work uh, really looks at uh, the impact of forced migrations in, within South Africa. Uh, and so these are kind of the two things in terms of, you know, uh, programs that are in place. There, there, will, there will be more as, as we grow, obviously. Yeah. I wanted to add on one thing. Sorry. Yeah. Um, oh. Hello. Um, I wanted, <laughs> on Wednesdays, I think you had an initiative where you let local people come in, attend the museum for free. Yeah. I think it's, it's how successful has that been? And Very how, successful. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm really glad Fact. to hear. I'm really glad to hear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just wanted to. Hi, um, it's really wonderful to see um, all these initiatives on the continent. Um, I grew up in Abidjan and after leaving Abidjan, I was very surprised uh, to realize that I'd never been to the Abidjan Museum. And that was growing up a young uh, person totally obsessed with art. And I think that all these new initiatives uh, that you're bringing and talking about from the full spectrum, from uh, private collectors who might not look like uh, what we see in the West nowadays, to um, art centers, to um, really uh, museums, really formally organized. I, I find very interesting also that you're very practical, all of you, regarding what needs to be done the um, means to get it and to uh, have it done. So I'm, I'm just curious about one thing. Um, I work for an auction house that is uh, very commercial, obviously, but um, I see auction houses in a way as another uh, makers of art history because what you validate uh, in the commercial world uh, also stays on and uh, what is validated from a curatorial intellectual points of view also somehow finds its way uh, in the commercial side of things so how um, as individuals but also as institutions do you um, see the possible balancing of the two because it's sometimes a very um, uh, tricky thing to do, but at the same time, it can be leveraged uh, to really make an impact uh, for generations to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously not our fear. <laughs> no. Why am I always the one to well, speak? Well, we should. <laughs> I think you have to find a balance. And one of yeah. the glorious things, I think, um, 
that I imagine all of us are, is that we're blessed with, with boards who offer us a steer. And on most of the boards that I've worked with in institutions, you have a balance of people who help you calibrate exactly that. People who are invested and who have a professional um, history of working in the commercial world, who understand how we can optimize our operations to really get the most out of our, our collections and program. But then simultaneously on our board, we have academics who are very good and very fastidious in keeping us um, adhering to our original mandate, which is about research, it is about um, um, curatorial vision, it is about um, making sure that the ecology of the arts is supported and nurtured. And so we plow on ahead and I kind of, you know, vacillate and meander around, but my board are there as my rudder to make sure that it may well be that occasionally that I veer a little too far to one side, but they will help to, to set me straight. And beyond the board are our wider constituency of support who also offer us opportunities, but also, as in this situation, that one gets amazing insights into what's happening, and that can help one just to reset one's um, sense of direction. So there are a continual nuancing of direction of travel and balance, finding the balance between those two very clear and persistent imperatives. Well, I like to think of that, I mean, of the, the art sphere, so to speak, as a mosaic, you know, and as a mosaic with different stones and, and that really connect to each other and some of stones, some of the stones are closer to each other, like galleries or auction houses. They are quite close to each other, and some of other stones are a bit further to each other. But they are still part of the same mosaic. And uh, and uh, as a as a museum, I think that uh, one of our fundamental mandate is to present the best art possible in mm. the best critical and research way possible. Not necessarily looked at uh, commercial value or not. Uh, some can have commercial value, some can uh, may not have it. So that, that should not be the criteria. Uh, and another mandate that I think I said to myself throughout my curatorial career uh, is to keep a healthy distance to the market yeah. mm. because I think that uh, you cannot embrace everything. Even though I was fundamental in, in launching and creating this fair, which is another story, it was a particular moment, it was a political engagement for me, but as a museum director today, uh, my focus is on the artistic quality, this, 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 uh, its historical power, its current contemporary power, and also its futuristic kind of scope. So I, I, uh, I strongly believe that uh, museums are part of the validation, you know, uh, criticism, criticality is 
and another very important part of the validation, just as the market is an indicator of something. Sometimes it's, it, I mean, it's valid, sometimes it's not. But my, I, I, I keep a healthy distance to, to the market because I think that this is not my role. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. With that, I'm going to um, bid you all sort of a good evening, and thank you so much for, for joining us. And we've spoken a lot, and I hope you <laughs>